What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We are back in for another October edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am merely the somewhat lucid, somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. He is the owner, the operator, the purveyor of SportsMediaWatch.com. Good to be back with John Lewis, a.k.a. Paulson, for another week, a week uh, that we come off of, a weekend that we come off of, where a Dallas Cowboy-New England Patriot thrilling game delivered for CBS where a thrilling finish to the Dodgers and the Giants in the Divisional Series delivered for Turner Sports and a huge number. We try to deliver each and every time that we get. John, good to be with you. How are things here as we embark on another show? Hey, things are going well. Good to be with you as well. The NBA season scheduled to start tonight. So uh, about eight days past the date when the season ended back in 2019-20, but uh, back on schedule. Yeah, that's that's good for the NBA to kind of be back on their timeline and get it back in order. More on that coming up in a few moments. Quick reminder, however you found this podcast, social media link through John's site, sportsmediawatch.com. The easiest way to get it to come to you automatically is follow or subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. The podcast goes out usually early in the week. If you are following on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, again, you do not have to pay for this podcast. When you subscribe on those services you're paying, just follow us there. It's free on those. Subscribe everywhere else. It comes automatically to you. And we do our best to stay relevant and well-versed on many different things early on in the week, kind of set the table for the week, including the NBA, as John mentioned, getting underway, the NHL already underway, the baseball playoffs going on, more and more and more. We want to begin here at the top. I'm here in the Tampa Bay area, John where Dick Vitale, by extension, lives in Sarasota, Florida, the greater Tampa Bay area. It's been a lot of media coverage in the last 24 hours at the time that we're taping the podcast that Dick has now made a second announcement that he has another form of cancer, lymphoma. He had battled melanoma, skin cancer, earlier in the year. This one more serious by his own storytelling and by his own admission. He's going to undergo weeks and weeks of chemotherapy 
and try to work through it in the college basketball season. I just want to say at the top, this man is such an ambassador for cancer, for pediatric cancer. He's now battling it himself. John, I know you echo this. We, we need to be united behind Dick Vitale, who means an awful lot to an awful lot of people here. Yeah, I think Dickie V is uh, pretty well beloved by a lot of people. And, uh, you know, it's a shame to see him having to go through this, especially given all the advocacy that he's done uh, over the years. And, uh, you know, but this is uh, one of the realities of life and uh, all the more reason why uh, what Vital does for the, the V Foundation is so important. No question about it. And again, this man, love him or hate him, and a lot of people find it obnoxious, the stick, whatever. He has been such an ambassador for college basketball on television for 40 plus years. Um, and again, he loves life. He, he loves his wife, Lorraine, his children, his family. But college basketball is like has like been the other love of his life for so long. So let's get Dickie V well, and hopefully he can work some college basketball games. So we begin on that note, and there'll be plenty of publicity uh, in and around his uh, his battle, his diagnosis. So, uh, all right, sir, let's let's get into it. We do know this that the NFL is obviously king with the ratings, as I made mention of, but baseball is doing. Uh, well right now and, and is actually scoring with some audience let's begin right there with your thoughts as we've advanced to the league championship series houston boston los angeles atlanta the audience numbers holding strong john yeah well you know it's it's a very interesting one because uh, that division series was carried by one series uh giants dodgers had this is very rare the five largest audiences of the lds so the five games that they played were the five most watched games of the LDS. You don't really see that very often. Uh, every single one of those games is up double digits from the comparable window in 2019. Now, that's also not something that you see a lot because of the other three division series, only one game increased over 2019. That was a Braves-Brewers game on TBS that the comparable game in 2019 aired on MLB Network. So that's not even like a real increase. So, uh, you know, ultimately, that Giants-Dodgers series really should have been in the LCS. And you can only imagine how, how big the numbers would have been had it been played when it should have been played. Uh, you know, two best teams in all of baseball playing in the first round is, is pretty ridiculous. But uh, that was a, a really strong series for baseball. Um, the other LDS really weren't that impressive, honestly. Uh, you know, White Sox Astros, I don't think ever got their good time slots. You know, they got one primetime right. game at Sunday Night Football. Rays Red Sox was actually a surprisingly middling draw. Uh, I was surprised it didn't do better. And uh, Brewers Braves was never going to do well because it's the Brewers and the Braves. Uh, and now we're in the division or the LCS. So far, first five games, not counting last night's route, each up from 2020, obviously, kind of goes with that saying. Um, two out of the five up from 2019. Um, well, actually, that's not true. Let me see. Th four of the five up from 2019. It's just that two of the increases are really, really, really tiny. So technically, gotcha. technically they're flat, but they are up uh, very, very slightly. Does it surprise you? Because I think I saw on the Thursday night number, the number was about six and a half million. Correct me if that's if that's wrong. Does it surprise you? that most of the rest of America gravitated to San Francisco and Los Angeles as the West Coast teams. I mean, it wouldn't surprise most that if it was Yankees, Red Sox, for example, in a clinching game. But did it surprise you that it that it did that well with the two West Coast teams, L.A., San Francisco? 
No, because it's the first time they ever met. Dodgers, Giants, that's a rivalry that does mean something to people. It means something to people in New York. I mean, granted, you have to be of a certain age, uh, but it means something to people in New York as well. Uh, two very famous teams, the Dodgers, big market, the Giants, big market. Uh, and of course, the two best records in baseball, you know, uh, that historic nature of the matchup and the fact that the games were really good. Uh, I think all of that helps. Uh, I think being on TBS helps as well. You know, people don't really think of FS1 as being obscure, but it, it is. So being on TBS was also uh, a help. Yep. Turner uh, obviously cashed in on that part of it. And again, Turner uh, still involved with the League Championship Series with Dodgers and Braves. At the time we're releasing the podcast, they've now moved to Los Angeles for the middle games of the best of seven series to see how that will do. I mean, obviously, perfect world if Major League Baseball could have it. They would want what they had a couple of years ago in the World Series, Dodgers for the L.A. market and the West Coast and Red Sox to give you the Northeast. Major League Baseball is never going to make an announcement like that, but that's that would be if they could ideally have it, what they would want. But still, one of those teams will will make it a formidable World Series, if not both of them in terms of interest, because love-hate Red Sox at one part, love-hate Dodgers at the other part if they can get one or both of them, right? Well, one thing that we need to remember, and I see this a lot, when the Dodgers played the Red Sox in the World Series three years ago, the ratings really weren't very good. Now, by today's standards, those 2018 numbers were spectacular. But at the time, you know, that was a surprisingly weak World Series. And the interesting thing is the first five games of that series were down double digits from the first five games of Dodgers Astros previous year. So based on that, if you're baseball, I think you might want Dodgers Astros, especially given the storyline there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the way the Red Sox are playing right now, I actually think a rematch would do better uh, because the Red Sox are playing incredibly well offensively. People like offense, uh, and uh, you know that would be something people would be interested in. But you know, if you're just strictly talking precedent, precedent would say you want Dodgers Astros because back in 2017, if you take out you know Chicago, uh, Cleveland, the previous year, Cubs winning for the first time in, in whatever. Right. I think I'm pretty sure Dodgers Astros is the most watched and highest rated World Series probably since 2004. I mean, I think if you take out if you take out Cubs Cleveland, that I believe is the most watched World Series since 2004. I'd have to double check. So uh, I don't think baseball is going to be crying any tears if they get Dodgers Astros. All right, we'll see how that part uh, plays out here over the League Championship Series the rest of this week and to the weekend. Let's stick on a, on a topic that is a similar theme. Uh, we keep reading and seeing that Sinclair Broadcasting, which has all the regional sports networks, is floundering financially, maybe on the verge of bankruptcy. That could mean a lot in a lot of local markets, not just for Major League Baseball, but NBA and NHL local slash regional broadcasts. John, what do you make of this situation? And in combination, you have Major League Baseball apparently uh, laying out plans that they may put out their own streaming service, bypassing cable TV, the regional outlets or whatever, and go direct to consumer themselves. What do you make of that whole dynamic right now, because again, there are tens of millions of fans of MLB in particular that rely on those regional sports networks to watch most of the games during the year. Well, this whole thing with the RSNs has become a real disaster for Sinclair. And, you know, I'll be fair to them and say that I didn't see it being this bad this quickly. 
when they got those properties. It seemed like a great deal. And, you know, we all know Sinclair's massive local news empire, which is a whole other ball of wax entirely. But, uh, you know, that to me, you would think the RSNs would integrate really well with the, their their local dominance. But uh, the industry changed abruptly, even just from 2018, obviously COVID, but then just the other changes and how people consume and beyond anything else, the uh, the distributors deciding not to play ball. We're in a completely different environment if Sinclair and these channels are available to watch anywhere, certainly on any of these streaming providers, and they're not. And in so, my case, perfect example, if I can interject, I am a Hulu subscriber to the live TV and they don't have a deal with Hulu in any market, in any form. So there are millions, not just a few people, millions who don't have it on Hulu, whether you're talking about local market in Tampa Bay, local market in Texas, in Minnesota, on and on all over, the, the, it's not there for the hockey right now that's going on, for the NBA that's about to start, you're out of luck, John. Exactly, and you know, the fact is, if you wanna get Bally Sports anywhere, you either have to have DirecTV Stream, which is by far the most expensive of the streaming services and has the taint of AT&T, even though now it's a completely different service, or you have to go back to cable, right? And look, there's a lot of people still on cable. There's a lot of people who haven't cut the cord, but you're saying basically, well, let's, let's, you know, let's base our business on the horse and buggy and hope we can, you know, keep that going for a bit until everyone moves over to cars. But the inevitability is that cable is going to die out. It is. So if you're hitching your wagon to cable, you're in some serious trouble. I think that's well said again from John Lewis, sportsmediawatch.com, as we continue to cover all of these different topics on the podcast. Uh, do you believe, just your opinion here, is it in, and, and what do we know about high finance? I certainly am not, I'm, my hand is up. I'm not going to ever teach an economics class on high finance, but it would seem that potentially Sinclair and the regional broadcasters overpaid, overpaid mm. for the local rights. That has to be a big part of what the problem is, is they they locked it up in a lot of markets by overpaying, and that's now coming back to haunt them. And it may just it may open the door for MLB and for others to step right in. John, what do you make of that point? Well, I'm trying to figure out why in the world they were ever valued at 20 something billion in the first place. Mm. Right. Remember the Disney deal. That was the whole thing. You know, you know, these RSNs are like the single most valuable part of the Fox apparatus, 20 billion, this and that. And everyone thought, wow, Disney's, you know, Disney's having to sell them off for 10 billion. Man, that's such a steal for Sinclair. I mean, how much are these even worth? Because at, even at 10 billion, this was an overpay, right? So uh, I think, you know, it's uh, really Fox kind of got away with highway robbery, right? <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe they sold everything else just so they could get the RSNs off their hands at this point. Who knows? Well, and and again, uh, just to make the point, illuminate it a little further. If uh, if you are believing that local team's rights, the Braves on the Bally Sports South, uh, if if you believe that team's rights are worth hypothetically three hundred million dollars a year. But you come to realize we can't sell anything anywhere close to $300 million to make the money back. We can't even sell $200 million. I'm just throwing numbers out here. 
Now you begin to understand why they're choking, dying, going bankrupt because they've overpaid in a lot of these different markets for whatever the rights fees are. That has to be part of it. And we'll, we'll see what happens. Just give me a prediction. Do you believe that we will see a Major League Baseball streaming service in the next two or three years direct to consumer that just bypasses all of these cable deals? Do you believe in that reality, John? Or are you still skeptical? I think, I mean, it has to happen. I'm a bit skeptical just because you haven't seen it before. But, I mean, they don't really have any other choice. You can't watch half the teams, you know. And, uh, I mean, people care about their local team. It's ridiculous. So, baseball has to do something. Frankly, I'm surprised so many teams have been re-upping with Sinclair, but they don't really have much of a choice right now. So, uh, yeah. And if Sinclair can get, uh, I think it was, I don't remember which publication said this was the case, but if Sinclair can get that rights fee cut down a bit, then it works out for them too. We'll find out if that is the case. Moving on. I know you want to talk about the recently concluded WNBA Ladies Championship Series won by the Chicago Sky. That concluded on Sunday. And give us uh, some more on the numbers and how the WNBA wrapped up as the NBA is about to begin now as we release the podcast this week. Well, I wanted to bring it up just from the scheduling standpoint. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know at least one network is saying that they had some Nielsen processing issues over the weekend. So who knows? Maybe those are more widespread. But based on the numbers that I'm looking at, that was the least watched game of the series, the clinching game. It was a good game, too. And, uh, you know, that, of course, is because it was a Sunday afternoon game opposite the NFL on ESPN. Uh, well, of course, you're going to get your smallest audience of the series for the only game that is on an NFL Sunday afternoon on cable. Game one was also on an NFL Sunday afternoon, but it was on ABC, which didn't even have anything on the air Sunday, this past Sunday. So it's like, why didn't it, why did they air it? Uh, so, you know, look, the WNBA has got to work on its scheduling. And if ESPN is unwilling to play ball and give them, you know, better, better slots. I mean, obviously we know the WNBA is not a particularly strong draw, but it's not that far below, say, Major League Soccer, you know, and uh, I mean, it is below Major League Soccer, but it's not that far below. And, uh, you know, uh, if uh, I mean, there's got to be a place where the WNBA can get a deal with a Nielsen rated network that's going to give them a better time slot than that. Now, I will say, obviously, ESPN is ESPN, you know, but uh, I mean, they've, they've got to figure something out because Either they have to end the season before the NFL starts, which is obviously what they should do, or they're going to have to figure out a way if ESPN has nothing on on a Sunday night and ABC has nothing on on a Sunday afternoon. How do you end up on ESPN during the day? You know, uh, they picked probably the worst possible time slot for that game and they ended up with the numbers they got. I will say, you know, the WNBA is not women's college basketball. You know, uh, women's college basketball this last year, 4 million viewers to the final game. WNBA, they're just not even anywhere close. At about that. a tenth of it, correct? But yeah. again, some of that's the slot and when it's running because the women's college basketball is in April. Right. Which is your point about not don't go against football. Don't go against the NFL and college football, right? Right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, so the WNBA ceiling is not where the women's college game is. But this is a league that leaves viewers on the table every year. And I know ultimately this will probably be the most watched finals in a bit, most watched playoffs in a bit. There's a lot of positive stuff, most watched regular season since 2008. But, you know, the league keeps leaving viewership on the table and it's incremental growth, right? 
it's like basically, you know, the league hasn't had a million viewers since 2008, right? I mean, that you got you to gotta try and get a million viewers at least once since 2008. I mean, pretty much, I mean, the, the, the NCAA volleyball championships gets at least a million viewers every now and again. So, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to rain on the parade, but sometimes I feel like there's a lot of celebrating numbers that are not particularly good and especially numbers that could be better with better scheduling. If you noticed, game two had 789,000 viewers Wednesday night, uh, which for the WNBA is a big number. Uh, and it's not a bad number either. There wasn't a single NBA preseason game that did that well. And not coincidentally, away from the football, middle of the yeah. week on a Wednesday night, there's the audience. That's your point. Exactly. And they got lucky too, because there were no baseball games. There were no baseball game fives that night. So uh, there was no baseball, no football. Uh, and uh, they got 789,000 viewers. Now, that is not a number that is just people stumbling into it because ESPN does not typically get 789 viewers, you know, just on a random night. You know, for ESPN, if they're not airing uh, one of the big four, you know, or, uh, you know, a college football game, that's a number they're not getting, right? You know, I don't even know the last time PTI did that well, for example. So clearly there's an audience there. It's just that, you have to put them in a position where they can watch the game, you know, and not have them choose between the sky and the bears against the Packers. <laughs> well said. Well said on that. Speaking of the pro basketball, the NBA is back with its regular season. Again, as we're releasing the podcast, TNT's Tuesday night doubleheader gets things underway. ESPN also on Wednesday night. John, give me a little more here on the start of the NBA. Well, you know, uh, back in October, back in the normal time of year, which is uh, obviously good for everybody. Uh, tonight, uh, Nets, Bucks, Warriors, Lakers, that really looks like a very interesting, you know, pair of matchups. Nets, Bucks was the most watched game of the playoffs outside of the finals that game seven. And obviously Warriors, Lakers, we saw how strong that was in the play-in tournament. Uh, you know, I'm very intrigued to see these numbers tonight. You have the Red Sox Astros game providing competition, but that's not really that bad. Based on the first couple of games, you know, uh, and this will be on FS1, I don't think the NBA has too much to be concerned about with the competition, especially if Boston keeps, you know, destroying Houston the way that they have been these uh, ridiculous offensive uh, displays. So, you know, if that, especially if it's a blowout, I think the NBA should be uh, fine there. I actually think not having the WNBA on tonight will be a good thing because it obviously we know the WNBA wasn't going to get, you know, a ton of viewers, but, you know, at the margins, if you have people who would otherwise watch opening night, watching game five of the WNBA finals, that can dip you down a little bit. So I actually think that's a good thing for the league that that series ended in four. Uh, the NHL will be on ESPN, which, you know, that'll be stronger NHL competition than you typically have because it's ESPN. But, you know, maybe not that much stronger, you know, who knows? Uh, I think the matchups are very strong. Obviously, like I said, Nets Bucks, top game of the playoffs outside of the finals. Uh, the intrigue surrounding the Nets, uh, the incessant talk about Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, obviously Durant and his heroics versus Giannis, they get their ring. And then Warriors Lakers, if everyone is healthy, you know, and uh, you always have to provide that caveat, right? But if everyone is healthy, that's a nice matchup to start. Now, certainly a lot more interesting than Clippers Lakers that they forced on us year after year, trying to create some nonsensical rivalry outside of, uh, you know, out of that. Uh, I think uh, Warriors Lakers to me, 
that's a really strong way to start the season. Will it get the kind of numbers that the NBA got for opening night, you know, in the past? It's a very interesting question. Uh, let me let me load up my NBA spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. So, because it's hard to remember how the NBA used to do. I should I should clue in the podcast audience who can't see us. John does most of this off the top of his head, and I'm always blown away that you're just firing away. You have some of it in front of you, but you're firing away off a of memory. So you're allowed to go to the spreadsheet, is what I'm saying. You can go to the spreadsheet if you need to. Go. All right. So uh, you know, just looking opening night's not really done the kind of numbers that it used to going back to the horrendous gordon hayward night that was actually the most watched opening night game in a long time 5.6 million viewers back in 17 the nba's not sniffing that that those sure. days are down. um you know let's see uh and then in the nightcap that night houston golden state was 4.3 million that's probably not going to be reachable either um 2018, the opening night was against the World Series. So you can kind of disregard that a bit. 2019, of course, the beginning of the end for the NBA. Uh, 3.58 million for Lakers Clippers, which was healthy, you know, not bad at all for a late game. So I think maybe for Lakers Warriors tonight, I'd say maybe 3.75 would be a, a, a good number. Uh, certainly an encouraging one, and it would be the most watched opening night game. Since 17. And again, we have to consider all things here with the Dodgers still in the playoffs. There's interest, obviously, there. I was looking to the ESPN national hockey game on Tuesday night as we release the podcast is Islanders Blackhawks, but it's in the early window. They don't have a doubleheader. They're not going against that Lakers Golden State game, uh, as you pointed out. So the NBA here, man, there's a lot going on. The NBA here, the NHL here, as we knew, with both of those going midweek. And that's going to lead us in to something that we always love to get to as the podcast continues. Love it or leave it. Subject number one, since you and I talked last, Turner did debut their National Hockey League coverage, including their studio show, with Liam McHugh having come over from NBC to host the studio show. Wayne Gretzky is obviously the big uh, name analyst that they had in, but they also had Charles Barkley in the studio, John. Uh, I think everybody would be in the love it category whenever whenever Barkley is around. Uh, did you love I, I I have my thoughts. Your thoughts on the debut of Turner, including Barkley in the studio for Turner's first hockey coverage? I thought it was good. It was not, you know, it was self-referential in a certain way, you know, but it was not, hey, everyone, we had the rights 17 years ago and now we have the rights again. Isn't that cool? Every single <laughs> moment of the night. So that was nice. Um I think Turner is doing something interesting. They're kind of bringing a different kind of attitude to the NHL, something far less bland. It's very interesting because it's the same people from NBC. It's the exact mm-hmm. same people. But Turner is better at doing the studio than any other network. Maybe Fox has an argument with Fox NFL Sunday, but no network does the studio better than TNT, TBS. Uh, their weakest studio is baseball. And with Pedro and uh, you know, uh, certainly way back when they had Casey Stern hosting. I mean, that was a that was a pretty good show, too. Uh, and uh, so the NHL, you know, that was an interesting first week. I'm looking forward, actually, to seeing their studio tomorrow. I That's loved what- I loved Charles Barkley with the clip. And they set this up with the clip of Wayne Gretzky actually involved in a fight early on in his career with a with a famed player, Neil Broughton. 
and Charles deadpans. Did you just lose a fight to a guy with a perm? And, and Wayne Kretzky said, yes, yes, I did. So it was rare when Wayne ever fought. It was usually somebody else as the enforcer fighting for Wayne uh, when he was scoring all the goals and having all the success. But I loved that. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to love, uh, not love Charles Barkley being involved with any of that with the studio show and, and Wayne got off some good one-liners and showed some personality where they were trying to put the equipment on Charles and, uh, and Liam McHugh was asking him, Hey, how does this get? He said, I never played goalie. He said, deadpan back. I never played goalie to know how this goes. And then uh, they, they were having some other issue. And Wayne said, I don't believe we allotted 15 minutes for this segment to get, to get the equipment on Charles. So some of that was good on the back and forth. And I'm anxious to see more good personality from Wayne Gretzky. I thought on some of that. Well, you, know, you know, Gretzky is, he's an interesting character. He's not made for TV. I, I can't see him in this role in five years. That's for sure. Uh, the Barkley thing reminded me of when Sam Malone came on to Frasier, right? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, Sam, great character, cheers, great show. But, you know, Frasier was, Frasier can, you know, survive on its own. It didn't need Sam Malone to come back. That episode's always really weird and like, you know, like watching someone return to their high school after a number of years and trying to, you know, be the big man on campus. I'm not saying that that was what it was like with Charles on, on TNT last week, but I will say you don't want to become dependent on the guy from the big show, right? You don't want to become dependent on that. We see that in TV all the time with the crossover episodes and, you know, Urkel is on full house for some reason or something like that. Let's keep Barkley on the NBA show and build the NHL show such that it does not need to be dependent on Charles coming in to make things exciting. Well said on that. Another subject. Love it or leave it. I'm going to turn this one back to food and actually sweets and Halloween candy. We'll just kind of go rapid fire. I'm curious about John Lewis, about Paulson, sportsmediawatch.com. Uh, in bite-sized form, Snickers. Love it or leave it for the Halloween candy? Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to plead neutrality. I, I'm neutrality sorry. Neutrality on Snickers. You got to play along with me. Kit Kat. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Love it or leave it? I, I mean, I, love it seems strong, honestly. I mean, I'll take a Kit Kat or leave it. I, I'll say love it. I'll say love it. So love it on that one. Three Musketeers, the creamy Three Musketeers. I have my own opinion. Love it or leave it in the Halloween candy. Well, I don't like Three Musketeers, and I really hated the ads that they had back in the day, too. <laughs> I'm a Three Musketeers guy, and I'll do uh, one more uh, because so many people have gone healthy, and they put a piece of fruit or they put something you know healthy in there. Love it or leave it healthy, healthy for Halloween for the kids? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We leave that. Leave the healthy out. My mother was always famous for having little tangerines and giving them out because we live in Florida. I'm like, Mom, you're killing me. They know where we live now that, uh, that you're doing that instead of the Halloween candy. Time for one more. We'll bring it back uh, to, the, to the sports television. Love it or leave it. Certainly a dramatic moment. As big as it gets when the Dallas Cowboys score a walk-off overtime touchdown to beat the New England Patriots. CBS has put the number out at the time that we're taping the podcast, John. What was it? Around 22, 23 million on average and some 27 million, if I have that right. We're watching at the peak in the overtime. Am I close on those numbers from yeah, Patriots that, and uh, Cowboys? Yeah, 23.22 million. Mm. 
That's, That's a, a big tr- number. Big, big number. So it ends with C.D. Lamb catching the game-winning touchdown pass. All right, here we go. Love it or leave it, NFL overtime. So many people debate that both teams should be allowed to have the ball. Cowboys got the ball, drove down, scored, and won it. Actually, actually, New England punted the ball, so they both had it. Love it or leave it, the NFL sudden death overtime rule. Where do you come down? Should both have to have to touch it, or can a touchdown end it? If you get it first, you score a touchdown end it, because that's the current rule. What say you? I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I do think it's always good to have a walk-off touchdown. Far better to have the game end on that than to end, you know, on a defensive stop. But at the same time, you know, uh, I think it would have been nice to see another possession, right? Sure. Overtime goes, goes away so quickly. And especially knowing that Seattle-Pittsburgh is the final game, and it's like, well, let's keep this game going a little longer, you know? I mean, why do I want to deal with Seattle versus Pittsburgh? I think... Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing both teams get an opportunity uh, to score a touchdown. I think they should by, apply. By rule, right. Well, and and keep in mind, you mentioned Seattle-Pittsburgh. Thank you for prompting me. They both had the ball in the overtime in that game because Pittsburgh got the strip. The T.J. Watt strip of Geno Smith led to the field goal. And if you look over the course of any sample size in the NFL, at least like 40%, if not 50% of the time, both teams do end up having the ball uh, in the overtime. It's just some believe it should not be the case that if you get the ball first and you drive down and score a touchdown, the game is over, that both teams should be guaranteed a possession. You're saying we don't have to have that. We don't have to have – you would like to see it, but we don't have to have that. Yeah, I think think it's fine as it is. But I do think it would be probably fair for both teams to have a crack at at, – well, I think both teams should have one offensive possession. After that – it becomes, you know, yeah. true sudden death, true sudden death at that point, because right now, again, the NFL rule is if you get it first and you score a touchdown first, that's it. The college rule, you're both guaranteed a possession. Whatever happens, uh, happens on that differences in college and pro football. Anything else in conclusion here that we have left out before we depart on this edition of the podcast, John? Um, good, good question. I'm sure there's a lot. Uh, Certainly we've covered the basketball beginning. We've covered uh, the baseball playoffs, honing down to the world series uh, and the NHL starting up as well. The WNBA concluding, I think uh, we've had a, we've had a bunch. We've been chocked full here. Exactly. I guess we just kind of leave it at that. And uh, yeah. Hey, good stuff. Good stuff. Again, we're, we're it, done. Did, it did. We did all the damage we could do on this edition. Let's see how it plays out for the baseball playoffs and much more. I do know this. I am headed to Bloomington, Indiana to do national radio of Ohio State, Indiana. ESPN is also there with those Fowler and Herb Street guys and the number one crew to do the game. I'll report back next week on how all that goes. I've never done a game in Bloomington. I've done games in Indiana, but I've never been. Uh, to Bloomington to see this scene. It may be mostly Ohio State fans as well, John, that'll be traveling in for this one. We will we will find out on that front, um, and I will report back next week on the podcast. For now, we're good. John, thank you as always. We encourage people to read the site, get all the info, get all the stuff. Thank you for hopping on board on the podcast once again. Hey, thanks for having me. There is John Lewis. I, I am merely teaching. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. I said thanks for having me. It's my own podcast. It's <laughs> ours, you know? This is true, but you can sign off however you want to sign off. You can say thanks for having me or thanks for listening or thanks for whatever. It's you. It's your world. We're just all visiting. Yeah, well, I'm I'm, I'm visiting too, apparently. (laughs) I like that. That's a good way to end it. 
uh, on that front. Again, subscribe wherever you found this podcast, social media link through John's site, sportsmediawatch.com. It'll come automatically to you if you, again, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe everywhere else, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. It'll come to you. Rate us, review us. More we'll find out about it. Uh, We'll be back again next week. We should know the World Series matchup by next week and how that will do as we progress on to the end of October. For now, we're done on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. It is John's podcast. We're done. We're good. Thank you for being with us. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.